0: Welcome to the podcast from In Church, Phoenix. This message is on Earth as it is in Heaven, with Pastor Scott Dawkins, July 30th, 2017. Today's message is going to be unusual, and that there is some information that I want to share with uh, with you this morning. Um, that requires, you know, our, our trust in God, our continued commitment to His cause, and something I believe will strengthen us. As a church, and you know, while we were in Australia, we had we had a great time, as um, as well as using that time to renew uh, our work visa. It was a time of being with family and watching Australian football, rugby league. Has anyone ever watched that before? Great game. You know, we we had time of refreshing and and re-energizing, and it was also a time of seeking God and praying. Uh, with Pastor Jack and Carol and Sam and myself about the will of God and, and wanting to determine the will of God, and more specifically, we are praying for God to confirm His will, you know, for us as a family. In in August 2012, um, we moved here with the vision and and the plan, the purpose of of planning, establishing, and growing Imagination's Church here in Phoenix, and. You know, there have been challenges and we expect challenges. There have been great times and difficult times and wonderful times and disappointing times. And that's just par for the course, isn't it? That's is life. That's how life goes. And uh, we've seen salvations and we expect salvations and baptisms and marriages and baby dedications. And God do great things in people's lives. Families restored, friendships made, lives set free. And, uh, you know, we celebrate all that we're, all that we're doing. Every, every time we have a mission Sunday, we celebrate the vision that God's put in our heart to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Sam and I, as we were talking with, with Pastor Jack and Carol, we talked about, you know, the constant challenge that, that we've had as a family when it comes to the visas. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, some of you would know, most of you probably know, that it's just been a, a constant uh, apply, denied, go back to Australia, reapply, come back, reapply for renewal, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And it's been a, a pretty constant backwards and forwards with all that stuff. But the, uh, also with praying with Pastor Jack and Carol, we, we felt that it was time for us that as a church, that we would be self-sustaining. You know, right now, the church in Sydney supports us financially out of their missions budget. And uh, we, we have it in our heart. I know Sam and I do, Pastor Jack and Carol do, and I know Pastor Dan and Reagan do. We have it in all our hearts that we would be self-sustaining, self-sufficient financially as a church. And uh, we're, we're praying with this together. And uh, what we're praying for is for God's will to be shown. We're asking God, would you show us your will, Lord God? You know, and we read about Elijah and and the prophets of Baal. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember that story, but the scenario is Elijah has um, an encounter, a confrontation, if you like, with the prophets of Baal, about 450 of them. And, And basically they're having a showdown to say, okay, whose God is real in this place? And so they prepared this this offering, this sacrifice, if you like. And um, the prophets of Baal went first, Baal, and, and they, they did all kinds of things. And they were trying to call on their God, little G, to, to bring down fire and consume their sacrifice. And, and nothing was happening. And they, they were getting all, they would cut themselves up. And it was, it was crazy the things that they were doing, trying to show their devotion to an unreal God, to a non-real God and who didn't answer with fire. Elijah, on the other hand, Elijah, he said, you know what, I'm going to make this hard for God. Who knows it wasn't hard for God. And and he poured water over the sacrifice, and more water, and more water in a time of drought, no less, and kept pouring more water and more water until the water was running off and filling the, the trench around the outside. And then, prayed and and said, God, would you send the fire down? And God sent fire down and, and consumed that sacrifice. You know, it was in that moment when everybody who was there understood beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was real. It wasn't, and there wasn't anyone thinking, man, I wonder, did that happen? No, that happened. It was undeniable for everyone who was a witness there on that day that man, God must be real. God of Israel, he must be real. And, and there's something that comes when, when we're seeking the will of God and, and we walk through some times of wanting to know the will of God, and yet we don't always know it, but we, we still keep walking it out. We still keep doing what we know to do, and yet there's still a part where we're praying and saying, God, would you reveal your will for us? Church, can I just say that's part of where we're at right now for us as a family, not as a church, but for Sam and I and our family. We're praying and asking God, God, would you show us? Would you reveal to us? And Lord, would you use the finances to show us that this is where that you would have us be? And so we're praying. We prayed with Pastor Jack and Carol and Sam and myself, and I know I've already uh, spoken with, with Pastor Dan, that we're, we're praying and believing this together, that by June next year, that we as a church would be self-sufficient as a church. And I believe, I mean, it's everything in my heart that says, I think absolutely yes and amen. In fact, I want to share some stuff this morning. The faith that's in my heart is that by the end of this year, that we would be a church that is self-sufficient financially. Penrith, uh, the church in Sydney, the suburb of Penrith, isn't kind of standing over us with a big stick or anything like that. No, they're seeking the will of God with us too wanting to stand with us in faith and to discern what the will of God is for us. Was it that we would move here for five years and God would say, okay, Dawkins family, you've had a great time. You've gone to Disneyland and you've done different things. You've sown, you've served, and now I've got the next thing for you. Or the Lord would say, doing great. Let's keep going, keep pressing in. That's where our desire is. That's where our heart is, that God would... Lead us that way, but in all of that, we're seeking his will. In that, amen. If Imaginations Church is self sustaining by June next year, then we'll praise God and keep pressing in to all that God has for us while we also walk through the the green card application process. That's a lot of fun, too. And if if they're just to Be real practical. Is that okay? We're going to get into the Word soon because I feel like God's given me a Word from His Word for us today. But uh, just before we get to that, if there's any mathematics people in the room, now our budget requires an average of approximately uh, $7,000 per week. This is what we're asking God for, that He would show us that. Now, if this is your church and you give in this church, then please hear me right now. I am not asking you to give more. I'm not asking anyone to give anything more than they're currently giving. If this is your church and you give here, I know, and Vern knows more specifically than me because he does the the counting and the accounts for us. But, you know, we we have a generous church. This is a a giving church. And, uh, in fact, when you look at the U.S. average, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at stuff like this. I do. But, you know, as a church, we are higher than the national average so please hear me when i say i'm not asking people to give more money that's not what this is about and i want to talk a little bit about what this is about later on but it's not to do with us giving more money if this is your church and you and you don't give then that's another story and maybe another sermon and maybe you could Um, But my message today is not about asking people to give more at all. My message today is about where faith and the will of God collide. It's where faith and the will of God collide. Because whether we're talking about this at a church level or whether we're talking about it at a personal level, there are those moments in our life where the will of God, wanting to know the will of God, and our faith clash, they they collide, They, they come together. And that's what we're talking about this morning. It's about holding fast to the will of God that you know while seeking the will of God that is still unclear. It's about moving forward when God hasn't revealed the whole path to us. It's about trusting God when your circumstances are uncertain. I believe God is going to speak to us today as a church, but also as individuals as we live our lives for him and for his glory. And at the end of the message, I want to share some of the strategy that's in our heart because I believe that this next five months through to the end of this year uh, for us are going to be powerful and rich and miraculous. Let's pray. You know, just to be something, do something a little bit different, I've actually written out the Lord's Prayer. Can we pray that together this morning? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I heard all the different King James versions and the, oh, that's awesome. Amen. At home, I have, I guess you'd call it my chair. I've never set out to call it my chair, but the family knows, I guess, that it's my chair. It's um, positioned really well with this TV screen. There's a nice little coffee table that sits beside it where I you know, put my coffee cup and my Bible and the books that I'm reading and it reclines back. It's pretty comfy. You know, I do a lot of time in that chair. Sometimes I think maybe too much time in that chair. You know, I love to watch TV, so I'll sit there, watch TV, and I'll pray in that chair. I'll, I'll read in that chair. I'll study in that chair. I'll write sermons in that chair sometimes. I'll... uh. I'll rest, I'll I'll recline in that chair, I'll sleep in that chair. The family will tell you I snore in that chair. You know, I love my comfy chair and it's comfortable. And I sit in there and it's almost like this, ah, comfort. I love my comfy chair. But as much as I love my comfy chair, it becomes a dangerous chair if I prefer my relaxation over my responsibility. Now, I'm not here to talk about chairs today, but eventually my comfort turns into complacency and my lack of action can become apathy. And I realized this, that sometimes our Christian life can become like that. Sometimes our faith can become like that. What I mean by that is sometimes we can just get comfortable in in the way that we're doing things and the way that we are and and, and the the track that we're on and the, and the track eventually turns into a rut and, and there's never anything that really tries to get us out of our comfy chair. There's never anything that lifts me out and says, man, I want to go and do something because I get into this rut. I get into this, this nice way of doing things. I know what I'm doing and... And I just keep doing it. Monday comes around, I know what I'm doing because I did that last week and the week before. And Tuesday comes around, I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm meeting with because I did that last week and the week before. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we just kind of get in this rut sometimes. We get in this circular way of life where we're just doing what we know to do. And there's never really anything pushing us out of our comfort chair. It's never things that are trying to, to get us out and to, and to trust God in a new way, to, to step out in faith and to try something we haven't tried before. We, 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 get in, we like our normal. We, we like our comfort. We don't tend to like change very much. I don't know. With, I, I like to say that I like change. But when change actually happens, you'll find out whether you really, really like it or not. And so I'm talking today about our faith life. And does our faith life look like we're hanging out in our comfy chair? Or does it look like, man, I'm getting out. I'm going to go and change someone's life today because of what Jesus did in my life. I'm going to get out of my, out of my rut today. I'm going to go and talk to someone. I'm going to go and pray with somebody. I'm going to go and try and do something. It, whatever that is, is there something in our life that's pushing me? What's driving me? What's stretching my faith right now? What's getting me out of my comfort zone? What am I believing God for that I can't do by myself? What am I attempting that would cause me to fall flat on my face if God didn't turn up? In other words, I don't want to get to the end of my life without having stepped out in faith and having attempted some things for God. I, want to li- I don't want to live my life in the comfy chair. That's boring. What if we tried some things for God? What if we dared to do some audacious things for Jesus? What if we did some things that we haven't done before? Believe that God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. What if we really believed that? What if we really lived according to that? What if you applied for that job that you've talked yourself out of before? What if you asked that person if you could pray with them or or for them? What if you started that business that has been on your heart for the last 10 years? I think sometimes we can get so safety conscious that we would rather do nothing than try something great for God. We're so afraid of failure that instead of doing something and failing it, we just don't want to try at all because we... We're scared of failure but this one i'm scared i'm more scared of living with regret than i am with failure i i I don't want to live with regret i can live with failure because i know that i can get up and try it again or try something different i don't want to live with regret thinking man what if what if i had have tried that what if i had have done that what if i had have said that i don't want to live with regret i would rather stand up and try and do something even if it fails then live with regret. And I believe God calls us to live that way too. I believe God calls us to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of the boat like Peter got out of. He'd never walked on water before. I wonder what was going through Peter's mind when he when he stepped out of the boat. I mean, I don't know about you, but but I'm looking and if looking out of the side of the boat and I'm seeing the water, I'd be I'd be saying things to Jesus like Okay, Jesus, can you just make it stop? Can you just make it still? Okay, awesome. Can you just freeze it over a little bit so it's a little bit more firm to step on? And I I think we can tend to do that sometimes when it comes to the things of God. God, can you just make the conditions perfect before I step out and do this? Can you just make it look great and look perfect? And can you guarantee that I'm going to succeed? Can you tell me that I'm going to succeed? Can you show me the result? before I even try it. But that's often not how faith works. Faith often doesn't work that way. And so there's, faith needs to propel us out of our comfort zone. Needs to, We need to get out of what's comfortable and, and what feels good and, and wanting to know all the answers. I don't think there's been anything in my life where I can look and see where I stepped out in faith, where I knew all the answers first. I didn't. And I think, people are nodding. I think we all would agree with that. So let's get to the word. In in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to spend most of our time here in chapter 14. But in chapter 13, we see that Israel are at war with the Philistines. And King Saul of Israel has about 3,000 special troops with him. And as, as Saul heads out to battle, he notices that the 3,000 has grown all the way down to 600. Which may not sound that bad, but some of them left, some people deserted, some defected. And that's got to be exciting as a leader, doesn't it? Um, When you you grow from 3,000 to 600. The army, the Philistine army, had 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and the Bible says as many warriors as grains of sand. So suddenly now the 600 isn't looking so great. 600 isn't looking so promising. Now Saul has a son. His name is Jonathan. And Jonathan gets tired of the inaction. He gets tired of just sitting around and just watching this play out so slowly. So in 1 Samuel 14, chapter 1 is where we're going to start. It says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come. Let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Let's just stop there. You know, your faith sometimes may not always be as exciting or motivating for others. There's a reason why Jonathan didn't tell his dad. Because dad would have said, no. Dad would have said, no, you're not. But Jonathan had something in his heart that said, I can't just sit around doing nothing anymore. i got to go and do something. i got to try something. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go. Verse 2, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron, and the people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahiah, the son of Ahiatab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. And within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozhes, and the name of another, Senna. And the one crag rose on the north in front of Mishmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. And Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come. Let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the armor bearer, I'd be looking for more than a maybe. I'd be looking for something a little bit more than a perhaps, as another version would say. I'd be looking for some certainty. Okay, Jonathan, what's your plan? Tell me your strategy. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? How are the two of us going to take on all of them? Start talking, Jonathan. That's, that's what I'd be asking. Maybe, it may be, Jonathan said, that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. This is the part of the faith that I was talking about. There's always... Uh, A maybe element of our faith man I wish I could stand in front of you and tell you that anytime I've had faith that I've had a hundred percent certainty that it's going to work out exactly how I think it is in my head I wish I could tell you that but I can't I have a hundred percent certainty that God's gonna be that he knows but I can't tell you with a hundred percent certainty that I know I think there's always an element in our faith life that there's a maybe, that there is a perhaps. But what Jonathan knew was that he was an Israelite. He was part of God's family and that God was watching over them and he was God's people. And so he knew that whatever was going on and the Philistines were attacking Israel, they were on Israelite land. So Jonathan knew, hey, something's not right here. Something is not as it should be. God's people should not be living this way. But in this specific circumstance, in this specific instance, Saul's kind of, uh, Samuel, Jonathan, that's the one. Jonathan is, let's go and do this. Maybe God will be with us. Maybe. And I wonder when he said those words, whether heaven was just like, come on, Jonathan. Come on, i bearer. I'll show you what I can do. I'll show you. All I need is a couple of young guys that are going to step out and say, hey, maybe God's going to be with us because all of heaven is going to be pushing behind you, Jonathan and Mr. Armour Bearer guy. Amen. So Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. If they say to us, Wait, oh, so I just read that. (laughs) Verse 10. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. I'm looking for a third option if I'm the armor bearer. The first option is, "Hey, come on down." Okay, then they come down. Okay, fight. If they say, "Come up," then we'll go up. Fight. There, there's no scenario here where they don't have to fight. There's there's no other option here. This is this is the plan. This is the strategy. If I was that Armabera, I would have been asking for that third option. This doesn't make sense jonathan it has disaster written all over it and i guess i'm trying to bring this out because in our faith life there's a humanity part of it where we're trying to guess it all we're trying to know it all we're trying to see how we're going to succeed before we have even really stepped into what god's calling us to do we we want to see the end part we 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 want to know the end result before we say that we're going to trust god but is that really faith anymore when we've got it figured out, when we know the answers, when we know how this thing's going to play out, is it any more faith? Is it is it a faith step anymore if I've already got all of that figured out? I've got a short clip that I want to show you that hopes to, hopefully will illustrate this for us.
1: Jesus, I just don't trust you.
0: You don't trust me?
1: No. I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help you. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm-hmm. Now. Do you trust me? Uh, no. I just said I don't trust you. All right. Well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay. Well, Jesus, I trust you. (laughs) Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall back. Woo! Okay. (laughs) That's great. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. right. Do you trust me? (sighs) Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm going to do it. Alright. I'm really going to do it. (laughs) Good. Jesus, you really caught me! I didn't think you were gonna get me, but you did. Oh, that was this, great! This, that was great! You're ready for level two. Level two, here yes. I come, baby! Woo! Oh. Woo! Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. <laughs> okay. This one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh huh. But face me. Woo! Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right, the Jesus signal. Yes, the okay. Jesus signal. <laughs> Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. (laughs) That's awesome. It is awesome, (laughs) especially when you do it. (laughs) Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you notice this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way, it is that way. You can do this, Laura, just trust me (laughs) and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't.
0: A funny but pretty powerful illustration of our faith, isn't it? That when we've trusted God before, we can we think he's going to do it the same way again. We, th- we think we know how he's going to answer it. We, we think we know what God wants to do. And then he changes things around a little bit and says, okay, I'm going to do it different this time. And leaves us again in that whole position of wondering, God, how are you going to do this? How, how are you going to do it? Because there comes a point in our faith life. There comes a point in our faith life pretty much every single time that I can think of in my own life. Where I have no idea how God's going to do it. I have no idea how God's going to answer it. I, I think I know and I try to tell him how. I, I, I try and figure it out for him. I say, okay, God, I, I know that here's what I'm believing for, and so here's how you can do it, God. And and, and so again, I, I try to get back in the driver's seat. And I'm trying to tell God how I want it to go. But but faith brings us to a point where where we just sometimes we don't know where there's a maybe, whether there's the perhaps, and uh, and we that's that's why it's faith. That's why it's trusting God, because we know. I mean, we don't know how that was going to turn out. It was just an illustration. But in real life, I guarantee you that, that when we step out in faith, when we step out on a word from God, that even if we can't see how He's going to catch us, He's going to catch us. Even if we can't see how He's going to guide us, He's going to guide us. Even though we can't see how He's going to watch over us and protect us, He's going to watch over and protect us. That's the faith part. That's where we say, God, I relinquish control. God, I relinquish the, the right to determine my own future. God, you are in control now. And I trust you. I trust you. So let's pick this up again back with Jonathan and his armor bearer in verse 11. says, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us and we'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And, uh, and that first strike which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was, killed about 20 men within it uh, as within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land and there was panic in the camp in the field and among all the people the garrison and even the raiders trembled the earthquake and it became a very great panic and the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold the multitude was dispersing here and there Then Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Hohiah, bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now, while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. And likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard, that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. Look what the faith of Jonathan and his armor bearer triggered. They thought, come on, let's just go and try this. We just got to do something here. Maybe... God will be on our side. And with a little bit of maybe faith, look what happened. Look what their faith triggered. I want to encourage us maybe today with this thought, what could your faith trigger? What, what could your faith trigger? What could our faith trigger? I don't think Saul and his armor bearer would have been thinking hey, when we go and do this, watch what's going to happen to the whole Philistine army. I don't think they had a clue what was about to happen, that they're about to turn the whole battle on its head to the point where the Philistines are fighting against each other and running away and in great confusion. Why? Because two guys said, come on, let's just go and do something. Let's just go and try something. Maybe God will be with us. And on that maybe, that whole battle that day, was turned upside down. We don't have a clue, I think, what our faith could trigger sometimes. We think we might know, but God doesn't always show us. We think we can see where it's going. We, we think maybe like Jonathan his armor bearer, they're thinking, yeah, we're just going to go up and take out these 20 guys. Let's just go and make this day exciting. Let's just go and do that. They, they didn't know what was going to happen next and church when it comes to our faith we don't always know either we, we think we got an idea and we can have a plan and we can have a strategy and we do but there's an element there where we have to also acknowledge that god could take this further make it bigger and do more than we could ever ask or think or imagine amen that that's how faith operates and that's why he gets all the glory for it if we could figure it out If we could strategize it out and if we could plan the results according to our own minds and our own thinking, then there's no glory there for God. But God's like, you wait and see what I do. You wait and see what I'm able to do. And it's exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can even think of. Think of it right now. It's bigger than that. What can you imagine right now? Think it big. Dream it big. What can your faith think of right now? I want you to know that whatever is going through your head right now, it is minuscule compared to what God is able to do. That that because you've thought it automatically, God's already further than that. Automatically, God's already beyond that. He's able to do even more than that. That's how our faith works. When we align ourselves with the will of God, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a big statement, isn't it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In his will, we're not talking about your will, not talking about my will. We're talking about the will of God. Your will be done on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will in heaven is perfect. It's unhindered. It's it's wonderful. It's massive. It's powerful. It's Unstoppable, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a huge prayer to pray! What a massive thought, an audacious prayer to pray, really. That we would pray, Lord, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in us, let your will be done in this church. In this house, that your will be done, in this city. Amen. I want to finish this message by talking about our faith and what audacious faith is going to move us to action over this next five months. And but what's our strategy? Like like Jonathan and and his armor bearer. I said, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, "Come on, let's." Let's just go and do this. Let, let's go and see what God would do. That shows there are some things in our heart that we've been talking about that I believe it's it's like that. We, let's see what God could do. And we're coming into the, we've had a, a busy first half of the year. Now getting re, We had our missions conference and we had a women's encounter. And uh, we've had um, obviously the, the um, Masters Commission and the summer camp and it's, it's been through summer. And so, so many things are happening. But for the rest of this year, we want to have this focus where with every event that we have, everything that we do, that our dream, our desire, our goal, and, and God is welcome to make this exceedingly abundantly above what we're saying right now. But what if, church, that we could agree together and work together and pray together that before this year's out, that our church could grow by 15 families. What, what if we could do that? What if we could see the church before this year's done, that we could see 15 families coming? This is a good church. I don't know if you know it, but you're good people. You know, you're friendly. Us Aussies will not scare you at all. Now, this is, this is a great church, and it's got a strong vision. Very, very strong vision of reaching out to to people, to reaching out to our city, to reaching out to the youth of this area, to reaching into the nations, to sending uh, missionaries around the world, to, to dig wells in countries that don't have water. You know, we have a strong vision. Lord. We, we have a strong purpose. And I believe that there are people that are yet to hear about this church and would love to be a part of this church because... We are a church that's making a difference. We are a church that's making a difference, not only in this city, but also around the world. So the events that we have, we've got three outreach events that we have through the year, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And those are events that we minister to the community. They're they're events that we've done that, that try and do something within the community and for the community. But we, we want to do that, but we also want to use those opportunities to say, hey, and don't forget, there's a church here that would love to connect with you. There's a church that would love to welcome you into to their family. And so every time that we do an event, we want to have that mindset of, man, we, we, want, we want our family to grow. We want this church to grow. In August, we, we have a plan to, to train and equip new connect group leaders. You know, we have a couple of connect groups right now. And we're going to take six weeks in September. And uh, it's not six weeks in September, but starting in September. (laughs) Six weeks in September. That's going to be a quick six weeks or a long month, whichever way you want to look at it. But we're going to take six weeks starting in September. And we're going to launch connect groups. And those are groups where we'll study, we'll come around the Bible, but also connect with one another and, and pray with one another, pray for one another. And so we're going to be asking some people, hey, would you be interested in, in hosting one of these connect groups at your house? Or at my one, we meet at Elevate Coffee Club on Tuesday nights at 7.30. So it doesn't have to be at someone's house. But whatever it is, if you would be interested in, in run for six weeks, committing to say six weeks, I want to have a connect group. And, and, uh, and it's just a way that we can Grow together as a family, but it provides a place too for when new people come into the church. And they say, man, how do I get involved? How do I get to know people? Then our connect groups are such a perfect way for that. I love Sundays and we come together, but the one-on-one one-on-one kind of interaction is pretty limited. But in our connect groups, that's where we really get to see those friendships uh, develop and grow. So we're going to be starting those in September uh, Sam's been working on a, on the next women's event, just looking to solidify a date for that. Um, we have a men's encounter that's coming up in, in October, where we're getting confirmation on the dates that we've booked for that. You know, and there's probably some other things. There's there's another couple, another couple of things that I'm thinking as well that, that I haven't got the details of yet. But as we as we get those, I'll communicate those. But if you would love to be a part of any of these events that, that I've just talked about, say, yes, God, I want to be a part of it. I can help out in some way, whether it's setting up or serving or, or whatever that is. If you would say, yeah, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of what God's going to do in this house in the next five months. And we're just going to get people's names down because we want to be deliberate. We want to do this on purpose rather than just say, yeah, hey, here's what we're going to do and we'll figure it out when we get there. We want to Get some names down and say, hey, if I want to be a part of the Thanksgiving outreach, all this. So just get your name and your number there. And then that way we know that as hey, we start to plan those specific things that we can call you, because you've said, hey, I want to be a part of that. So God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the certainty of who you are. Lord, your character, Lord, your goodness. Lord, your, your strength, Lord, that, that is stronger than anything that we ever face. Lord, your faithfulness to us. Lord, your grace towards us and your love towards us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that what we're talking about right now, Lord, I pray that we that we wouldn't stay stuck in our comfy chair. But, Lord, there would be something that propels us, something that that says, I need to do something. I want to do something. I want to see what God could do in my life. Lord, I pray that you would prompt our hearts this morning to, to live bigger, to, to see further, to, to try something that we haven't tried before, to trust you in a way that we haven't trusted you before. So, God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this service today. We thank you for your presence here. We love you. We pray these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed and encouraged you. Join us live on Sunday or at our midweek connect small group meetings in North Phoenix, Arizona.